The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. When I look around this room, some of you I know, some of you I know well, some of you I'm getting to know, um, some of you know me well, some of you are getting to know me. Uh, but one thing that's evident with all of us in this room is we, we all have a story, and some of us know each other's stories well, some of us are learning each other's stories, uh, many of us are figuring out our own story, uh, but the thing about story, story is central to who we are, we all have a story, we love stories, uh, we watch movies, we read books, they're all stories, stories have been living on for thousands and thousands of years because we seem to just love Story. The Bible is a series of stories, God's story, his story to us, his love story really to us. And um, you and I, you know, we have this story too. And what we were doing this series on God's story and our story. And we said that our story really begins when, when God's story becomes our story. When God's story becomes our story, that's really where our story begins to take on a whole new shape in a whole new form, and uh, it's just really important. And, um, you know, when it comes to stories, a lot of times people like to tell their story. If you ask somebody, if I were to ask you this morning, if I were to say, hey, so what's your story? Uh, hopefully you'd be able to engage. You've thought about that. You've thought about what your story really is, where you've been and what you've been through, and you, you would say, well, here's my story. I I came from here and I went through these things and you would, you would begin to elaborate on who you are based on what you've been through and where you've, you've come from. That seems to be what we, we do and usually people don't mind telling their story. Uh, if you meet somebody, a good way to get to know them is say, hey, so what, what's your story? And people are like, well, you know, I'm from here and you know, it's, it's nice of you to ask, to be others-centered and ask them what their story is, but you'll usually get filled in on things. But what you'll often hear when you ask somebody of what their story is, they'll also tell you, they'll usually tell you some of the things from their past, maybe some of the highlights from their past. That's what people usually say uh, when you talk about your stories. And last week we talked about our past is so powerful and God wants to use the things of our past uh, to, for his glory. In other words, if you and I have been through things in our past, and I trust all of us in this room have been through things, uh, that if we include those things in our story, God gets the glory in a greater way. Uh, a lot of times we leave those things out. We don't want to talk about those things. But listen, that diminishes your story and mine. We got to put the important things in even some of the things we don't like because it gives God the glory and look what God has done. Does that make sense? So that's what we built on last week, looking at our past in our story. The Bible says, forget not the quarry from which you were dug and the rock from which you were hewn, meaning we all come from a rock pile that God has taken us out and he's making us into diamonds. He's taking charcoal and through processes, uh, charcoal turns into a diamond over time and over pressure and and God working on it, and he's taking us, and he's conforming us into his image, and we're not who we're going to be, but we're not who we used to be, and this is the process that God is, is taking us through. Um, but, you know, one thing that, that usually happens, and it can happen, and I believe it happens a little too often, is that we have the story of our past, 
and yet we're called to walk in faith, but many times we're still living in our, in our past. Today we're not talking about your past story, we're talking about your present story, your story right now. The only dilemma is oftentimes people are still overly attached to their past and they can't live the fullness of their story here and now when you're attached to your past. Does that make sense? There's many people that God is calling them into greater things, into better things, into, into adventures of faith, and yet, because of the past, they're still a little too connected to the past. The past, we said, should be a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. Um, the, the past should be something that we have God stories. This is where I was, and this is what I've been through, but God showed up, and now I'm moving into this next realm of faith and adventure that God has for me, the fullness of his calling. But again, oftentimes people are so attached to the past because of what they went through, uh, sometimes it hinders them. Sometimes people get stuck in their past. It's like driving the car, but driving, looking through the rear view the whole time. We can't navigate the way God's calling us to navigate. We can't step into the things that God's calling us to step into. And the only one who wants you and I to live in our past, the only one is the devil. He's the accuser. That's what he does. He would love for us to not walk in faith. See, he knows faith pleases God. He knows that. And so he can't take away our faith, but if he could get us to look back in our rearview mirror, we will be so connected to our past, we will be so connected to yesterday, we will be rendered ineffective in the things that God is calling us to. And I don't know if you've noticed that in, in people's lives sometimes, but you can ask them how they're doing and what's going on. You can ask what's your story. And sometimes you will hear in language of people that they are so connected to their past that they're actually still living in their past. Um, and that can be a problem. Um, I know over the years doing homeless ministry and prison ministry, I often ask people, hey, so what's your story? And a lot of times, especially people that are very stuck, you will hear all the things about the past, but they're still remaining in that place. They're not living fully in the present, and they're certainly not looking forward to a future. They're living their life in the past, and that's why they're so stuck. And sadly, even in the Christian faith, Christ followers can also be in this realm too, where we love God, we believe in heaven, but living our lives in our past and keeping us from the very things that God is calling us to. I want to give you some notes this morning. I'd encourage you to take them down. I was really praying about this message. I really feel that some of us in the body of Christ today, not just this church specifically, but the church at large, are experiencing a crisis of faith. A crisis of faith. There's a crisis of faith, and that's because people are going through some unprecedented things. And when you go through unprecedented things, you need to have faith more than ever before. And yet we're living in times where the things we're seeing or experiencing don't seem to line up with what we're hoping for. And, and many have hurts or wounds or disappointments from over here. I understand that. They're very real. And yes, they can hurt and they can pull on us. But many are living in the past and not living fully in the present adventure that God is calling us to. And if that speaks to you, I encourage you to write these down. Uh, maybe you're not having a crisis of faith right now. But typically in life, things come up. 
and you may have one at another time, or maybe you just came out of one, and I hope these things will help fuel your faith for the glory of God, that you will live in adventure instead of living in the past, living your life in the rearview mirror. The first point is this this morning, is we should fully acknowledge our past, but we cannot stay in our past. We can't stay there. We can't stay there. We're not called to that. We're called out of Egypt into a promised land. And the problem the Egyptians had is they kept looking back going, well, well, what about back there? And God's saying, don't you remember that's bondage back there? You don't want to be there. And people sometimes forget the bond. They just start getting pulled back. Maybe it's hurts or pains that were stuck in memories or whatever it could be. There's this pull, you know, uh, you know, Lot and his wife left Sodom and Gomorrah. And God's like, walk this way. Don't even look back. And there's like, well, I don't know. Living in the past and getting pulled back. The only one who wants you to live in your past is the devil, not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, behold, I make all things new. He gives us a hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're not to harm you, but they're to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. God's about your present and your future. God will use your past. So we want to come to terms with our past fully, include these things in your story, but we cannot stay uh, in our past. Jesus does say, behold, I make all things new. It's a key statement to Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of faith, which by definition keeps moving forward. How many of you know Lamentations 3.23 says, God's mercies are new every, every day, every morning. God's mercies are new every morning. You know what that means? For some of you who are stuck and struggling with yesterday in the past, God's mercies are new every day. You know what that means for you? That means yesterday died last night. Would you say that with me? Yesterday died. One more time. Yesterday died last night. Yesterday died last night. God's mercies are new every day. And we can't live in our past if we're called to walk in faith. Only the devil wants us in that place. We cannot live in the here and now faith and the things that God's calling us to, all of us, unless we take heart to. Jesus says, I make all things new. His mercies are new every day. Uh, I'll acknowledge my past, but I certainly am not going to stay in my past. That's really, really critical. So when we're talking about your story, we're not talking about your past, but if we don't come to terms with this, many people like the idea of faith now and what God wants to do now, but the reality is they are stuck. So unless you come to terms with some things about your past, unless you definitively, everyone say definitively, Unless you definitively come to terms with some things in your past, we can all gravitate and have this magnetic pull and stay there. And this is really important. So our our second point is this, guys, and then we're going to jump into some scriptures here that are going to build on this thing. But the second point is this. Put, Put your past in its place, knowing God's mercies are new every day. Put your past in its place. You have to put your past in its place. Your past will not put itself in its place. You know that? Your past will not put itself in its place. The devil will remind you. He will shoot fiery darts. The enemy shoots these fiery darts of doubt and fear, confusion, things of the past. He's the accuser. He's bringing stuff up all the time. That's his nature. Don't be surprised. It's what he does. It's what he's been doing forever. And, and he will do it in our lives. And if we don't take thoughts captive and put them down, he's going to keep pulling us back to remind us because he doesn't want us walking in faith. He wants us walking in 
reverse. He wants us walking by sight. And this is just what he does by nature. And it's just one of his tools that he's been using forever. So listen, put your past in its place. That's I'm not who I used to be and I'm not who I'm going to be. Yesterday died last night. Whatever God brought me through, I'm going to leverage it for his glory. It's part of my story, but I'm not living there. That is not my address. I moved, amen? I moved. You moved. That's not your address anymore. And we don't live there anymore. God's calling us to to greater things. How many of you know our past is forgiven and our future is secure? Our past is forgiven and our future is secure. That's why we don't have to go back. The New Testament is loaded with scriptures of a forgiven past and a secure future. And next week, we're going to talk about our future more because many people, to be honest with you, their faith is hindered more by their past than it is looking forward and and pulling forward to the future. Many people are kind of stuck in a place of faith uh, because of things of the past instead of, I've dealt with the past, I've put my past in its place, and I'm moving on this adventure for the glory of God. And next week, we're going to talk more about the future, but right now, I want to talk about the present, uh, the present. Uh, Much of your past was about experience. Much of your past and my past was about our experience the experiences we went through, the things we felt, the things we, we, we endured, but much of your present is all about faith. It's not about what you went through. It's about what do you do now, and the present is important, and that's why some have a crisis of faith because the things we went through, even recent, whether it's pains or hurts or whatever it might be, is overflowing and affecting your present and we don't put our past in its place, and we don't remember that God's mercies are new every day, and it's actually hindering the current process uh, that God wants to do in our lives. And why is this important? Because right now, most of us in this room are living the middle of our story, the middle of our story. See, when you look at a story, everything you read, everything you watch on TV, read a book, the story, there's the beginning, what happened and what people went through. And then there's the journey on how do you navigate given that beginning, beginning what you went through. How are you going to deal with it? Are you going to go back? Are you going to move forward? What do you, how are you going to navigate in faith? And then there is the future and how the story ends. And right now, many of us in the room have said yes to Jesus and have dealt with your past or your sin, and you've said, Lord, I'm a sinner, take my sin away. I believe you're the Savior. I'm going to turn and follow you. You start to read his word. God puts his spirit in you, and you learn how to navigate. And most of us are on the middle of our journey. We're in the navigation process where we, we left Egypt, so to speak. We've committed to move into a promised land, but we're not in a promised land, and we're in the middle of our story, and faith is crucial to your story right here and right now. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.7 is a key uh, verse for our, for our day right here, and this is a thesis for you and for me and for the middle of our story, and that is quite simply, we live by faith and not by sight. Would you say that with me? We live by faith and not by sight. Can we say that like we mean it this morning? We live by faith and not by sight. This is us, guys. This is the story. You can't have an epic middle of your story. You can't have an epic adventure with God unless you believe that to be true because that is what we are called to do, to live by faith and not by sight. Can I just tell you the problem? That can be really hard when we see things that are not lining up with our faith. Amen? 
when we see things that are not going the way we hope or the way we want or the way we expect, it can be really hard. And I want to be real about this because this is what we're called to do, to live by faith, to walk by faith and not by sight. Yet we look around us or you look at society or you look at what maybe you're going through right now and maybe that's a big challenge. Maybe that's causing a crisis in your faith right now. And maybe it's putting a hindrance in the middle of your story. God's calling you to this adventure, and yet we're stuck maybe in the past, or maybe there's a little paralysis in our motion because of the very things we, we see. We saw that with Peter when he got out of the boat. Jesus said, if you believe, come to me. And Peter says, huh, I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I am getting out of this boat, and I am going to walk on water because I believe that's Jesus. And he gets out of the boat, and guess what? He walks on water because he's walking by faith and not by sight. But he starts to see some funky things. (laughs) He starts to see some overwhelming things. He starts to see some things he can't get his head around. He can't get his heart around. He starts looking, hearing noises. His heart starts pounding. He starts sweating. You think it's water on him. He starts sweating. He's sweating bullets. The water's caving and crashing, and he starts panicking and taking his eyes off of Jesus. He's called to walk by faith, but he's walking by sight. And as soon as he starts walking by sight, he starts sinking. And I think we do the same thing. When we start walking by sight, we start sinking. And Jesus is still today, now, calling us to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith doesn't live by sight. Faith lives by the unseen. Faith lives by the unseen. And that's what you and I are called to live by. We are called to live by the unseen. We are called to walk by by the unseen. And that's what the challenge is because we're walking in what we see around us, yet we're called to live by the unseen. This is where adventure happens. This is where the epic story, this is where you get to walk in the fullness of what God is calling you to walk in. It is only by faith. It will never be by what is seen. If you and I believe in God and we walk by the things that are seen, we will never enter in to the full adventure that God is calling us to because the journey is always by faith. It starts by faith. The journey is by faith. And we arrive by faith. We never stops being by faith. So we need to start learning how to walk in the unseen instead of the seen if we want to have the middle of our stories being profound and giving God glory in ways that are monumental. Um, Hebrews 11, in fact, if you guys turn there, this is our main text we're going to look at today. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. Um, Hebrews 11, these are stories right here of victorious living. Uh, These are stories of people who had these amazing stories. Uh, They didn't have a story uh, where, God, I believe in you, but you don't really know what I've been through or you don't know what it feels like, so I'm pulling over on the park. Uh, None of these people are in this passage. Uh, Hebrews 11 is the hall of fame, if you will, for people of faith in the Bible. It's, it's, it's like the baseball hall of fame. It's like all these people of faith listed uh, for this amazing faith that they had. And they all went through stuff, but they never stayed in their past. They dealt with their past. They put their past in place and they learned how to walk in the unseen, not in the things seen. And it's amazing because you also can have a profound story, the middle of your story here and now. I can and you can if we walk by faith the way these heroes did. It was their key to victorious living and it will be your key to victorious living 
uh, as well. Hebrews 11, let's look at this. This is a, an amazing passage. Many of you are very familiar with it. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, it says this. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is, was visible. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. And by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For, uh, for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleases God. And listen to this, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This passage defines victorious faith. It's the hall of fame. It's the cream of the crop. It's the people who understood God's economy, that faith is the currency. They understood it. God, you are God. You're the sovereign one. I believe your words. I am going to walk in the invisible if I have to. If you said it, I believe it. I'm going to walk in it. Even though stuff around me is going sideways, even though stuff around me doesn't look good, even though stuff around me doesn't feel good, even stuff around me doesn't look promising. You said it, God. I believe it. I'm going to walk in it. Yes, it's the invisible. Other people around me don't get it, but you said it. I'm walking in it. That's what these people did. And because of it, they're in the Hall of Fame, God's Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. They all had victorious faith, profound victorious faith. And when we read their stories, it spurs us on to live that kind of life. They did not live in their past. They lived fully in their present, knowing the promises God has in the future. And that's the zone that you and I want to live in. It says this, it defines what faith is in, in verse 1. In case we have our own idea or our own feeling of what faith kind of is or could be or shouldn't be, it tells us what it is. God says this about faith. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Confidence in a hope. And a hope, you can't put your hands on a hope. It's a, it's a hope. It's out there. You, you can't touch it. You can't feel it. You can't see it, but it's... You know what it is. It's out there. It's something God said. It's, it's the assurance of what we do not see. It's not the assurance of what we do see. So faith has this ambiguity towards it in that you don't have the refined picture exactly, but you know God said it, and that's golden to you, and you keep walking towards it even though you don't have proof and definition along the way. And this is where the journey begins because you're going to find God rewarding that lifestyle, rewarding your faith as you step into adventure because the whole thing is by faith. And this means that you have to rely more on God's promises. Listen, you have to rely more on God's promises than the very things that you see. You get this? This is it, guys. If you want to have story, the story you're called to, the adventure that you're called to, you have to rely more on God's promises than the very things that you see. And the people around you are not going to live that way. They're going to live based on what they see, 100% of what they see. There's many in the church who still live on what they see, but that's not the faith we're called to. We're called to walk 
in the unseen. We're called to walk in the promises of God. All these people listed in this hall of fame knew of God's promises, went through crazy stuff, and said, if God says it, I believe it, I'm walking in it. They were like Peter's getting out of boats. And yes, they had their struggles. If you read some of the narrative of somebody, they had their struggles. It wasn't a grand slam all the way through their life. It wasn't they're walking on water and running on water and sprinting. They sunk once in a while. They had their issues. But at the end of the day, they moved forward in faith because they know God is true. His words are true. And God rewards those who follow him and walk in faith. And so this is a profound thing. Uh, These people were all walking in faith, not by sight. Abel and Enoch, Moses, Abraham, and all the rest listed in this passage all did the same thing. They lived out their stories in a full-blown assurance. If God said it, I believe it, even though I don't see it. Now, for some of you, uh, you have a problem with that because that defies logic. And you find yourself a little bit more cognitive in your approach to faith. Uh, or you find yourself pragmatic or rational. And, and there's ways we would describe, well, I won't do that because... And we have our own narrative or our own worldview on maybe why we're exempt from that kind of faith. But I'm telling you in the Bible, that's the only kind of faith we're called to. Do you realize that? That's the faith we're called to. There's not two kinds of faith. There's not one where we believe in the principles in general, but we walk in the natural. Uh, The faith that we're called to is we believe the words of God. We believe his principle. We believe his ways. And we don't have to get it or fully understand it. We walk in it anyways. We trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. At least that's what we're called to, amen? That's what we're called to. And that's why we can't get, well, my personality's pragmatic, so, you know, that, that's I understand the Bible says that. But me, we can't do that. That's not the faith we're called to. That's some logical, cognitive, God, I hear you, but I got my own worldview. I hear your wisdom, but I got my own. And I hear yours, you're calling me to walk in the invisible, but I don't do that. I walk in the natural. That's not the faith we're called to. We're called to walk in the invisible. This is where the adventure is. This is where the story is. This is your story right now in the middle. And when you watch a story or read a story, the middle is the major part of the story. What are you going to do with all the trials that come your way? What are you going to do with all the challenges that come your way? What are you going to do when you're expecting something and it doesn't happen? Then what do you do? You got to keep walking by faith. You can't walk by sight. Otherwise, there is no ending of the story that's great, right? You never read that in a story you love. You see a character go through some stuff, and yet they continued in faith, and it's amazing. It makes the story better and more powerful. But this says clearly in verse 6, and that's a summary of this passage, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Can we say that together, please? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God's saying that, not Pastor B. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There are two things in the Bible that God puts an extremely high value on, a very, very high value on. Two things. Uh, There's other things, but these are two main, main, main things. One is faith and one is obedience. And I think obedience takes faith and faith takes obedience. They work hand in hand. They're tandem. But the point is, things that he says over and over again is that if you love me, you'll obey. You'll obey my commands. If you're with me, if I'm yours and you're mine, you'll obey me. And, and that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That we come by faith, we live by faith, we get to heaven. The whole journey is by faith. He's the author and perfecter of faith. So obedience and faith are two key, key aspects of our lives that... That our stories, listen guys, our stories 
right now, the story you're living, the middle of your story, it depends on faith. You're not going to do this middle of the story without it. In fact, you're not going to do it well without big faith, and neither am I. We're living in times where it's going to take bigger faith than ever before in the promises of God if you and I want to live out stories for the glory of God that make him smile, that have any effect on the world around us. This is the time to have faith and obedience now more than ever. Here's our third point this morning, is my story depends on my faith and my obedience. My story depends on my faith and my obedience. I can't put that on God. I can't put that on other people around me. I can't put that on the environment. I can't put it on the news. I can't put that on what's on TV. I can't put that on what's going on my block. I realize all that stuff, how these effects on us. But guess what? My story depends on my faith and my obedience. And your story depends on your faith and your obedience. And your story will go a completely different way if you're walking in big faith, obedient to God, compared to not. It takes two different paths, two different trajectories And I would encourage you uh, to do that. And another thing I want to look at is after he talks about this hall of fame, all these people who had entire stories, and we'd have to spend a lot more time going through the Bible on all the stories of of Abraham and Moses and Enoch and all the people listed, uh, Isaac and Jacob, and all the people who lived by faith. We would take a long time to go through their stories, but many of you are familiar with their stories, profound, monumental, epic stories of faith. And the reason he tells us all these stories of faith in an entire chapter just loaded with a highlight reel of these epic stories of faith is the next chapter, first verse. He says, therefore. Um, Whenever you read a therefore, you have to know what the there is there for. Um, And and the therefore is there because he just told a highlight reel. It it gave us a play-by-play and high definition of exactly what transpired in all these people's lives, how these people hit a grand slam when it comes to faith. And then he says, therefore. So all of us can relate to this story. And it says this in Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we, he was talking about them, but now he's talking about us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He's reminding us that the the, the lives and the stories that we're living right now, um, they're being seen by many. I don't know if you know, but your life, your story is... See, some people hear about your story, your past, they'll hear about it. But your present, your now story, they're not hearing it, they're seeing it. They're seeing your story and mine. People around us are watching our story us Christ followers. They're watching us. And we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And there is a great cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. And uh, this cloud of witnesses, it's twofold. It's, it's the people around us. It's the witnesses in the room. We're all witnesses of Christ. We all see what he's done in our life. We're followers. The Bible would call us a witness. And that's why we testify about the things we've seen and heard. We're all witnesses. And so part of this witness is that we are, we are witnesses of one another, And we bear witness with things, the Bible says. So part of this thing is we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. But listen, there's been heroes of the faith that he talked about that went home or sitting in the presence of God. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And there's heroes of the faith, heroes of the faith, generals, generals, the Deborahs and the Moses and the 
Pauls and the Peter. There's a heroes in the faith, seated in the heavenlies. And I believe they too are seated at the right hand of the Father, just like Jesus met Stephen when he got stoned to death. Jesus stood up and took him right in, right there on the spot, right here, right now. Come with me. Come with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so I believe in the heavenlies there are millions of those who lived victorious lives and lived by faith. And guess what? We are surrounded by all kinds of clouds of witnesses. Clouds in the heavenlies and clouds on earth, but we are surrounded by people. And here's his conclusion. Since we're called to live by faith and since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, here's what he says. To throw off the stuff that needs to get thrown off so you can run. Listen, he's not just telling us to walk by faith anymore. Listen, you're not called to just walk by faith. You're called to run by faith. (laughs) You're called to run by faith. Could you imagine what that would be like? It'd be one thing you see someone blind and they're walking and they are walking and they, you know, they feel a curb and you know, they feel their way and they're walking. That's, that's, that's amazing. That alone is a profound feat, how somebody can feel their way and actually navigate. But listen, you're called beyond walking by faith. You're called to run by faith. Everyone say run by faith. You're called to run by faith. He's talking about this whole faith journey what faith is, the assurance of the hoped for, the conviction of the unseen, that we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. These are the heroes. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Therefore, throw off the stuff that is weighing you down and run with perseverance. And you're like, but I don't see. God's like, don't worry, I see you. Keep running. But I don't see, Lord. That's okay, I see you. Keep running. You're called to not just walk by faith, to run by faith. That's our fourth point this morning. You might want to write that down. Throw off whatever needs to go and run the race. Now, here's the thing. Only you and the Spirit of God knows what needs to go in your life and in mine. We can't run with liberty. We can't run by faith if we're carrying backpacks and things. We can't run by faith if we're attached to our past. Does that make sense? Our past, some people are so connected to their past, they're not living by faith. They believe in the principles in Scripture, but they're not living by faith. They're certainly not running, let alone walking, because they're so attached to the past. Again, the past is, 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 is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. It's our story. It's where we come from, and look what God has done. But, but we need to launch from there. We need to uh, deal with our past, and we need to put our past in place we got to throw off anything that hinders or sin that entangles. And that's where you and I have to do business with God regularly, where we say like David, search me, O Lord, know my ways. What's going on in this heart of mine? What is slowing me down from this faith, not walk, this faith run? What's slowing me down? What is it? And God will tell you, if you get alone with God, the Spirit of God will show you what is in the way and what needs to go. What is hindering me? What is hindering you? Is there anything entangling us? Is there anything slowing down our race? The Spirit of God will tell you. The Spirit of God will show you. If you read the Word, He will show you through His Word. Here's something here. Things will jump out. You'll be reading, going along, and the Holy Spirit will say, psst, this is for you. And you're like, oh, okay, I hear you loud and clear. Why is he telling you that? Because he loves you and he wants you to run. He doesn't just want you to walk or stay still. We are called to run with perseverance, this faith race. It's a faith race. It's a race that we run by faith. And we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. When Peter got out on the boat, he kept his eyes on Jesus and he walked on water. And he took his eyes off and he sank 
And you and I are called to not just walk with, run with perseverance, with our eyes on Jesus. And there's stuff going on and there's waves and there's water coming in the boat and there's people yelling over there and there's stuff going on and, it, and it's funky and it's weird and it doesn't feel good. Yet, we keep our eyes on Jesus and we run. But listen, our job is to throw off anything tangling, anything hindering. That's the only way we're gonna run by faith, run by faith. And uh, I'm gonna just put in this last passage here because I wanna move on next week with our future. But this is important too because the reason why some of us in the room have a crisis of faith, the reason in the room why some of us, um, uh, there's some things maybe we went through or are going through and we just don't have a category for them. Uh, We wish we did. We can't get our head around the actual thing or the problem or the dilemma or the thing we're praying for and it didn't change yet or whatever it might be. Like we, we love God, we believe his word, we know Jesus came, we know heaven's a reality, but, but we're not really running and that's because there's some obstacles. We can't get our head around things. And, and Romans 8.28, I want to just look at that one and I have this in the New American Standard. I like the way it's written uh, there. But this is a golden passage and you and I need this for our journey too. We need all of scripture, but these are a couple of keys. These are a couple of keys that will really help liberate your faith. This will help empower your faith. This will help fuel your faith. This will help you break free from uh, anything that you're stuck in or in the past or the present and specifically things in the present that aren't going the way you like, that are slowing you down. It says this in Romans 8.28. You're familiar with the passage. And we know that God causes all things to work together to those, for the good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The context, context is always key. We don't want to take scripture out of context. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the believers. He's talking to people that are in this assembly of God. He's talking to those who are blood-bought sons and daughters of God who came to terms with Jesus' provision on the cross for them personally. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. This is the context. Those who love God, I believe you're here today because you love God, and so do I, and we're honoring him on the first day of the week to get together and to worship him and to, to get challenged and encouraged and fanned into flame. But for those who love God and say, yes, God, I want to step into your purposes, I trust everyone here says, yes, God, I want to step into your, then, then this is what the promise is to you and to me. It's not the promise to the whole world around us. God's not saying everything that works to everybody is good. He's not saying that. But the promise is this, that God will work all things together for your good. All the stuff we've been through, it doesn't mean that God authored everything. Listen, God didn't author the fall. God didn't author, we gotta be careful not to put on God what the devil does, amen? This is important because there's a lot of people going through life, something bad happened and God did it. No, God maybe didn't stop it and you'll get to ask him in heaven, how come that didn't stop? Valid question, very valid question and you're gonna get your answer and so am I. But listen, don't blame God for what the devil is doing. He's the one who goes around like a roaring lion seeking to devour, amen? Seeking to devour who he may. He comes to rob, steal, kill and destroy. Bible says that, he does it over and over again. But the bottom line is there's things around us we go through we don't get, we don't understand, we can't get our head around these things. And uh, life can deal us some pretty tough things. And if, you're, if you love God and are called according to the purpose, God's purpose, God says, you know what? That looks like an epic foul right there. A foul. It, was, it looks bad. But if you give it to me, watch what I will do with it. I can take this and I can mold and shape and make something better come out of it that you you can't even get your head around. You'll never be able to figure it out. And this is important because a lot of people can't figure something out 
and they stop walking in faith. There are many people who have walked in faith through the generations and something happened, they couldn't get their head around it. They couldn't figure out the why question and we all have a why. Does anybody have a why in the room? You got a big golden why question for God when you see him, anybody? Okay, I do, maybe you do too. Okay, but because they can't figure out the why and haven't gotten their answer on the why, they stopped walking by faith and it happens to too many that have been shipwrecked and that's because they, they were not able to take the why. It's a good why. It's not bad to have a why and put it on the side and say, I'm gonna, me and God, we're gonna, we're gonna work through this because what I know in part, I will know fully. The Bible promises that and I wanna know why. But in the meantime, I'm walking in faith. I'm walking in the unseen. But some can't get their head around this thing and they stop. They stop and they never take a step forward and the enemy loves that because he shipwrecks people along the way. Um, whether it's things we've been through, abuse, addiction, loss, brokenness, unmet expectations, whatever these things are, God is not saying that everything that happens is for good. He's saying everything that happens around us, if we're in the faith, he will work, he will work. His energy will flip it and turn it in circumstance for the good, for the good. And that means all things, even the stuff we don't understand, even the stuff we can't get our head around it. And this can be really hard. This can be really hard. How do you walk in faith when we can't get your head around? I'm not even talking the past. I'm talking right now. Maybe you're in a crisis of faith right now and you can't get your head around it. We're not talking about something when you were a kid or 10 years ago or five years. We're talking about right now and it's messing with you. It's messing with your faith and the devil wants to ratchet up the heat on that. He wants to turn the light on that thing and, and, and And this is saying, will we trust God with it, even though we have a question, even though we can't figure it out, and will we trust that God can and will turn all things together for the good for those who love him? Can we trust him at that? And that is hard. Listen, guys, I have a 12-year-old son, and he still doesn't walk on his own yet. And uh, we carry him for 12 years, and we do a lot of things, and we pray, and we contend, and we believe God does the miraculous, and we've laid hands on others, and we've seen God do great things. We've seen cancer go away. We've seen God heal. We've seen, but we've been contending and we've been fighting and we've been imploring and we've been, but we haven't seen a breakthrough. What do I do with that? What does our family do? What does our kids do with that? They know we believe in the God of the Bible who does these things and we believe it and we pray and we contend and yet we don't see it. What do we do? What do you do with these elephants in the room? Do you stop and have a crisis of faith? You gotta choose this day what you're gonna do. You gotta choose this day who you're gonna serve, even though there's no category for stuff, even though you don't like it, even though faith isn't taken on the shape and the nature and the direction that you wanted and hoped for, you gotta figure what you're gonna do with these things, guys, because many, poof, that's it. That's the end of their story. That's the end, and it's happened to so many where things were going one way, but something comes up, and there's no category for it, and they stop because they cognitively don't have an answer. Listen, you don't have to have an answer to continue to move. You realize that? You don't have, you want one. I want one, believe me. But you don't have to have an answer to continue to move. It takes, it takes nothing to walk by sight. It takes nothing to walk by sight. But it takes everything to walk by faith. It takes nothing to walk by sight. Anybody can do it. A monkey can do it. A child can do it. And anybody, anybody can walk by sight. But it takes, 
It takes everything to walk by faith. And that's what you're called to walk by. It's faith, not by sight, amen? Our last point, if the worship team comes up, would, would be this, guys. And hopefully this will encourage your faith, fan your faith, solidify your faith. The, the fifth point this morning is believe that God will work all things together for the good in your life. Believe it even though you don't see it, even though you don't feel it, even though you don't get it, even though you don't understand it, even though you can't get your head around it, even though you can't explain it. I get it, but trust and believe that God will work these things together for the good somehow, some way. This side of heaven we might not know, but trust from that vantage point, you will. Or maybe in years from now you look back and go, ah, I see, if that didn't happen, I realize, I don't know, but listen, you gotta trust and believe that God will work all things together for the good. Because sometimes we can't. I'm sure Moses was thinking the same thing when he was leading stinky sheep for 40 years. Going, really? <laughs> I got God's favor and there's a promise in my life? Really? I- I'm-, I'm like exiled from my own people on the back of a hill, shepherding stinky sheep. You know what? He had to do that for 40 years before he was ever entrusted with leading people for 40 years. Do you realize that? He had to do stinky sheep before he got to do stinky people uh, for 40 years. But-, but he had to do that, guys. He had to do that. And you don't understand. What is- what's the point? What is this? Where's my faith? Is this what it comes to? But he's not quitting. He's walking in the unseen. I don't get it. I don't know why. It makes no sense. This is lame. Seems like God's not in the mix. I don't know why. But guess what? I'm walking by faith. And then God turns it around for the good. David, little David, had to take on lions in his private life before he could take on giants in his public life. It's just the way it is, guys. He's like, why are these lions? Why isn't God protecting me? How come these lions are coming around? Why do I got to, oh, this isn't right. Why am I going... I don't know, but walk by faith, not by sight. And guess what? After lions in the private life, he's taken out giants in the public life. Guys, we won't understand some of this, this side of heaven, but your faith doesn't quit. This is, for many of our Jewish friends, this is Rosh Hashanah weekend right now. And Rosh Hashanah is a, uh, it's twofold. Rosh Hashanah attempts to deal with forgiveness in a, some, some things that were designed to try to deal with sin, the Bible says there's only one way to get rid of sin. It's the remission of sin is through the outpouring of blood. It can't happen any way, other way. God was clear, said it over and over again. And in Israel's existence at the temple, that's where they dealt with the sacrifice to deal with sin. And then Jesus came and said, I'm the Lamb of God, takes away the sins of the world. Final sacrifice, you don't need to do any more sacrifice ever again because I'm gonna take it away through my sacrifice the perfect lamb shortly after jesus said that the temple was taken down and hasn't been there for two thousand years so we know the way for sin to be removed is through the sacrifice of the messiah but there's another part of rosh hashanah that's done right now and it's their new year and they'll eat some new fruit symbolic of god doing a new thing in a new year and i think maybe some of us in this room when it comes to your faith maybe you need to do something symbolic uh, for Rosh Hashanah or just for where your story is. You're in the middle of your story and, and you're not called to walk by sight. You're called to walk by faith. And maybe right now there's been a crisis or some challenges and maybe now God's telling you more than ever, it's time to walk by sight, uh, walk by faith and not by sight. It's time for you to have a new year, a kickstart, a year of faith in your life where you're saying, God, faith and obedience, these will be my rails. And I'm going to throw off things that entangle me. I'm not just going to walk. I want to start learning how to run. That's a crazy idea, running by faith. 
and not by sight. But I want to encourage, I know I want that this year. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to stand with me. We're going to pray for God to seal some things in our heart right now. But if you want God to be calling you to be able, just the idea of running by faith, if, if that sounds biblical to you, if that sounds like what the Lord's calling you to, if you feel like the past has gotten in the way, uh, if this is what you've sensed God's calling you to, a new beginning, a kickstart in your faith, a, a resurrection of faith, so to speak, in your life, then let's ask God into this right now. Mighty God, we come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. We thank you for the stories of all these people who lived such an adventurous life. They did it all by faith. They didn't do it by sight. Not a single one of them got there by sight. They did it all by faith. So God, you've given us this model. And so I pray, God, we would finally today deal with our past. If any of us today still have the struggle that we haven't come to terms with, today we will say, yesterday died last night. God makes all things new. His mercies are new. I believe it. Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. I believe it. Forgive me for staying in my past. It's only been sucking the life out of me and pulling me down and holding me back and, and limiting my faith. Lord, I cut that off. I break away the things that entangle me, including being stuck in my past, Lord. So I pray for a liberation from past today in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that we begin to trust you, God, that we would not be so pragmatic in our understanding and our logic and our reason that we begin to excuse the very matter of faith that you're calling us to live in, uh, that, that, that we would make everything has to be logical when, when you say, don't, don't trust in your own understanding. Stop trying to be so logical. Everything isn't going to be able to figure, be figured out. We can't get our head around these things. They're too big for us to comprehend. So stop trying to figure it out and start, start walking in faith. So God, I pray today we would, Lord, repent from trying to figure stuff out and getting our head around everything before we take a step and we'd start listening for your voice and reading your word and saying, God, I want my middle story right now to be an adventure. It's got to be by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. All the heroes of faith walked in big faith. You reward faith. God, help me to walk in big faith, Lord. Right now in a new year, just like Rosh Hashanah, I want to commit to walking in faith and obedience. Show me what it means. Show me how to throw off the stuff that's slowing me down and help me not just walk by faith. God, I want to start running. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a fast walk, and then maybe it's a trot. And, but Lord, I want to somehow find my stride. I want to find a way to run, run, run with our, my eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter. I want to run in faith. Lord, show us today how to run in faith for your glory. We love you, God. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen, guys. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.